It is time once again to open the Peacock and Williamson mailbag. Questions on maybe some of the most valuable backup quarterbacks that we could see starting in 2023. How some of these rookie wide receivers impact the veterans on their current roster. And what about Roethlisberger admitting that maybe he didn't want the young quarterback in Pittsburgh to be successful immediately to start his career? All that and more coming up on today's Peacock and Williamson. NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson bring you expert NFL analysis every day in less than 30 minutes. Get an inside look into the NFL on the field and in the front office. With elite breakdowns, next-level analysis, and in-depth information only for the real NFL fans. This is Peacock and Williamson, and it starts now. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL show. Brian Peacock alongside Matt Williamson at BD Peacock at Williamson NFL on Twitter. That's where most of the questions come from on today's mailbag episode. Thanks, everybody, for making us your first listen on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Shout out to all the everydayers. Make sure you are subscribed up. If you're not an everydayer, find us on YouTube and everywhere you get your podcasts. Okay, let's start here, Matt, because this is an interesting story I've been meaning to ask you about with Ben mm-hmm. Roethlisberger. Recently admitting, and we got a question from Josiah here, said, how do you feel about Ben Roethlisberger's admission that he did not immediately want to see Kenny Pickett succeed in Pittsburgh because he was worried about being forgotten? And how does this shed light on other situations? Aaron Rodgers, Jimmy G, multiple times coming and going, et cetera, et cetera. So here's what I know is I've been told, I don't know if Ben even knows my name. You know, I've been near him. I've interacted with him a little. I'm sure he doesn't even know who I am, but whatever. Um, he is very aware from what many people have told me, what social media, what is written about him, talk shows, local radio are saying about Ben and is very aware of his public perception, his legacy, all those things to the point where pettiness is probably at play here. However, anyone that knows him will tell you he's one of those ultra competitive people. You know, like he's such a good athlete and I'm sure you've been around people like this, but at at a world-class level, if he picks up darts for the first time, he's maybe the best in the room. He picks up a golf club and he's driving it right down the fairway with ease. Quick story people will enjoy. About 10 years ago, I was asked to play in the Heinz Ward celebrity softball game and I'm as small a celebrity as out there, trust me. And I hadn't picked up a glove in 10 years I'm like, man, I don't even know if I can play. I mean, I've played a little bit of softball here and there, but I mean, I haven't played forever. I'm like, yeah, I'll play. And I'm like, can I play first? It's the only position I could play as a kid because I'm slow and I could, you know, I had pretty good hands. So I'll play first. (laughs) Well, Ben's our shortstop. So he comes to the plate six times. He hits five home runs. I mean, that's, he's that guy. You know, he wins the Steelers home run contest every year at camp. You know, some of those dudes, it doesn't matter what sport it is. He also would play shortstop basically in left field because he covered the whole left side of the of the diamond. And, and has a crazy it. arm to throw you out at first base. That's next. So this glove that I haven't picked up for a while, it's the second hitter, somebody like that. It's Heinz Ward at the plate or some other stealer. Hits a screamer at Ben in you know shallow left. He fields it with ease, flips his wrist. The ball comes at me 8,000 miles an hour by my standards. I put my glove up, do a nice job. It just tears the ro- the web right out of my old glove. There's probably dry rot because I haven't used it for 10 years. And he MFs me because I committed an error. You know, he wanted to win that bat. You know what I mean? Like, 
So he's aware of this stuff. And back to the picket thing, here's what he's, I guess, has how it came out was, I didn't really want him to succeed. It, it might make my legacy a little less or make me forgotten, which is crazy. I mean, no one's forgetting Ben yeah. Elway Young. I mean, whoever. I mean, your legacy's fine, Ben. And nobody's worried about that. But he did, I think the next sentence was, though, watching Kenny, I really warmed up to his style of play and really, really started to root for him. And unlike Montana Young, these two were never teammates. I mean, Pickett was in the the in, in the same building, but they don't really see each other. One's at Pitt, one's at Steelers. They share a, a facility. So I'm sure they interacted or at least knew who the other one was. You know, Kenny was a, a great quarterback his last year at Pitt, and Ben was in his last year. But they were never teammates. You know, he, he has, they don't have – they didn't go through training camp together and things like that. Yeah, it's just a you know that's a star <laughs> you know. player. There's ego, and he's he's just realizing his own mortality. Really, is what yeah. it is, and he doesn't want to feel like oh man, after I walk away, they just got another guy that's just as good. You don't want to feel yeah. yeah. I mean, all these guys have unbelievable athletic arrogance. In in Ben's case, it's very well earned. I mean, he's going to the Hall of Fame, but I also think he thought I might have another year in me, which I don't think. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like there was even talk that the Niners called him. I don't know if you ever heard that. There when was, they, uh, yeah, when, yeah, when Jimmy got hurt, and yeah, there yeah, was yeah. Uh, there was some. I think the 49ers were trying to make some contingency plans, trying to figure out what to do, and then they saw Brock Purdy play, and they're like, oh, I guess we'll be all right. Never yeah, mind. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Jimmy G is one of the people that Josiah brings up here, and uh, Jimmy G has been a really good teammate, and um, has had a great relationship with Trey Lance and, and helping the young guys and Brock Purdy. So uh, I don't think he would be in this conversation. Aaron Rodgers. Um, I don't. I, I think he he had a pretty good relationship. Seemingly, I, I think he learned a lot from the Favre thing too, and so he had some interesting on the other end of it. Being, yeah. yeah, on both sides of that. Uh, I think it was Tannehill last year that was asked about how, what his job was, and and he's like, "That's not my job to help the young quarterback." Talking about Malik Willis, and so um, mm-hmm. you can see why a competitive guy wouldn't just want to help somebody else take their job either. So you know, I'm sure there's some competitiveness, and I think you can be a good teammate and be competitive at the same time. And then some guys are just like, "Nope, I want to crush anybody who could maybe, you know, try to come take me off the top of the heap." Yeah, a hundred percent, and. Uh, Montana Young's the best example I can come up with. I mean, they went out and traded a first round pick while Joe was still a stud, you know. I mean, and it lasted, they were on the roster together for a long time. It, a that long was a, time. Just a long, yeah. drawn out thing. If that happened in the age of social media, people would be losing their minds about Young versus Montana. Right. And we were actually talking about this on Steeler Nation Radio earlier in the week, uh, you know, because of the story. It's, you know, we don't avoid it. And, and I, I still think, I can't speak for Ben, but I bet if Jordan Love goes up to Aaron Rodgers and be like, I don't really quite understand this pass protection. Can you help me? I doubt Rodgers gives him the finger and kickstart on him and walks away. You know, I mean, he probably helps him out a little bit. You know, he just doesn't go over and watch film with them and right. watch Hold his kids thing. and stuff. You yeah. know, right, right, right. You know. And there's also generational stuff here too, because, you know, a lot of times you don't really get along with someone necessarily that's 15 years younger than you either. And, you know, what do you think Brady and Trask talked about? (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) You know what I mean? And maybe, maybe football is the only thing you can talk about. So it's kind of helpful in that way. They probably talk about protection. So you're probably right. Young guys probably haven't started golfing yet or anything or. Right, um, right, right. I have too many Super Bowl rings. You know, I don't know what to do with them, you know. Yeah, yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're 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 in different um, money ranges. You're everything. You're, yeah, you just happen to put cleats and a helmet on it's, and play football, right? Mm-hmm. 
Interesting question here about some of the uh, rookie court, uh, rookie wide receivers, specifically in Seattle and Minnesota. And if the young first round rookie could come in and take some targets away from the star veteran wide receiver in those two uh, locker rooms in those two cities and uh, some other really good questions here about the best defenses in the NFL, all that and more coming up on today's mailbag episode of Peacock and Williamson. Today's episode of Peacock and Williamson is brought to you by FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs too, by the way. But uh, man, the playoff season is so fun. I love this time of year. I like October. I like the April, uh, May season, even though there's no football happening right now. Tons of great playoff action in April. You get the NFL draft too. So still a lot, uh, a lot going on in the sports world. And by the way, you can still bet on a ton of NFL futures as well mvps and sack leaders and uh coaches of the year and team win totals and super bowl champions all available at fanduel as are nba playoffs nhl playoffs and right now new customers can get a no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars that's one thousand dollars back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win there's no better place to bet all the playoff action than america's number one sports book visit fanduel.com slash locked on and get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. Big question here from Andrew. And Andrew says, does Jordan Addison and Jackson Smith and Jigba have the opportunity to decrease the value in fantasy leagues of Justin Jefferson and DK Metcalf, respectively? Let's start with the Vikes. I think it's a huge no. Nope. Yeah. I mean, I like Addison. I don't say a lot of great things about him. It's not because he transferred from Pitt. I really don't care. But can he get to the Thielen level? Maybe. I mean, that's a pretty high level of the Thielen of two yeah. years ago. You know, and be an amazing level for Jordan Addison. Be an amazing to, level. And guess right. what? Would not impact Justin Jefferson. <laughs> not even a little bit. I mean, Jefferson's, he's on an all-time great pace. I mean, he's the best receiver in the league or easily top three he's impenetrable and unless can i say that it might help because maybe right don't double justin jefferson as much I, I, it's really not gonna it. hurt if anything it helped seattle's different because let's say two years from now lockett's gone or whatever and it's the dk and smith and the jigba show which i think is that's how they're setting this up we've talked about how they stagger the ages well with that receiving core as well as the skill sets it wouldn't shock me if Smith the Jig was catching more balls than Metcalf. I mean, just because his style of play. You know, like my scouting report on him, I said a thousand times before I knew his landing spot was this is a hundred catch a year guy, you know, and most teams don't have two of those. Now, Metcalf may end up with more yards, more tight and more touchdowns, certainly more big plays. I mean, I could I think he's continuing to get better too, but neither one's Justin Jefferson either. Right. And with uh, Tyler Lockett there as well, just maybe having another mm -hmm. mouth to feed. And it's kind of similar with the running back situation in Seattle, too. They suddenly have a lot of skill position guys and a lot of talent there. So how do you spread the ball around? Maybe does everybody get a little bit less now? And while Jackson Smith and Jigba, because he's definitely their best number three receiver they've had. And so yeah. they've got a nice one, two, three. And then when Lockett's gone, then I think, you know, that volume goes back to Metcalf and and JSN. So, you know, we we've seen how good Metcalf has been with Lockett being there with him and they've been a really nice compliment to each other. It hasn't affected them. So right now, maybe there's a lot of mouth to feed 
mouths to feed, but long term, you know, Jackson Smith and Jigba can still get his and Metcalf can still get his. So in the end, I, I don't think it has really that big of an effect on these guys, uh, Justin Jefferson, least of all. Exactly. One thing I will add, and you kind of touched on this too, I haven't done my fantasy wide receiver ranks yet, and I don't know when I'll get to it, June or whatever. But if hypothetical Metcalf was 10th on that list and Lockett was 16th dra- for this year, this year only, drafting Smith and Jigba, maybe Metcalf goes to 12 and Lockett goes to 18. You know what I mean? Like it didn't help them for 2023. Question from Michael, which division do you think has the best defense and which division do you think has the worst defense? So are we talking, uh, which, which. This is a bigger project than just whipping it off, off the top of your head. It is, but are we talking about if you put all the defensive players and made one defense out of the entire division? Is that the question? I don't think so. I think the question is kind of like what, what, what division has the best quarterbacks, you know? Okay, which so you put all the divisions, all the defenses together, and yeah. which, which which uh, division is stacked with the best defense? Okay, AFC East comes to mind as best. I mean, I think Miami's is going to be really good. I think New England's is massively underrated. The Jets were a top five-ish unit last year, as were the Bills, and not a lot of departures. I mean, that one seems really strong to me. Who? One of the Souths have to be the worst? Uh, the South, let's see. You know Houston. what's a bad one is NFC North. I don't think the Vikings defense is good. The Bears defense is really bad. The Packers defense really let me down last year. Like, talent-wise, you would think they'd be a lot better than they were. They were my fantasy defense in every league. Like, their first-round picks everywhere. I love this team. And yeah. it stunk. I mean, it was average at best. And I don't think the Lions is great. Both Souths aren't great either. Yeah, yeah. Both Souths aren't great for sure. Falcons, Panthers, Saints, Bucks versus Titans, Jaguars, Colts, Texans defenses. So I think the Colts, Colts, Jags, and Titans might be middle of the road. I think Panthers have some talent on defense too. They do, they do. So the Saints, Saints always have a pretty good D. So Mm -hmm. they may not be the worst. NFC North, off the top of my head, might be worse. I would say it's between the AFC South and the NFC North for worst. If it wasn't for your Niners, the West would have a strong case. The West I mean, would have been the best a couple of years ago. Right. Maybe even going into last year, you'd, you'd be talking about them at, in contention for the best because Rams and Seahawks all had pretty decent yeah. units. Um, Cards and Rams might be bottom five. Yes, now. yes. That's rough. I'm trying to think who we're missing. I wouldn't say the NFC West is loaded by any means. It's fine. Chargers are fine. Yeah, AFC West. Okay. AFC North is decent. AFC North is good. Does it compare with the AFC East would be the question. I don't think. I don't see any weak links in the East. And I'm hard on the Patriots, but that's my new target for fantasy defense. They got like 18 really good guys. And just, I, I like what they might not have stars, but they have a lot going on on that defense. NFC East, the Eagles have a really good defense. Yeah. Washington Commanders. Dallas is good. Yeah. Giants, like Commanders and Giants could both be better this year than they were the last year. They might be third-ish. Mm-hmm. Something like that. I have a feeling we're going to get tweets about this. Yeah, oh, we were kind of spitballing on it. and I think AFC East 1, AFC yeah. North 2, NFC East 3. 
I'm not going to fight you on any of that. That sounds about right. Maybe AFC West next, but the Raiders are bad. Four. Um, Niners carry the NFC West. I would take them over the NFC North, maybe. I think the NFC North is eight for me. I think the AFC South, but they should be seven and eight. So then you've got the Mm -hmm. NFC South versus the West for four and five. Atlanta's is a little better. I mean, the Bucks still have some dudes. Saints are always pretty good. And I think Carolina's is better. So I would take the South over the West, but the West definitely has the best. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah. There you go. I, I think that's fair enough. So if you yeah, if you love what we just did there at BD Peacock on Twitter, if you did not like that list at Williamson NFL. On One thing about that though, and I do think there's some value to this, is if you look at teams. Who are our last two? NFC North and AFC South, right? Yes. I don't know. I'm not going to look at this right now, but if there's teams on the schedule that play those two divisions, if they have eight games against those two divisions, bump that guy up in your fantasy league. (laughs) That's true. You know what I mean? I do think, though, the NFC North has potential to be a lot better than we're giving it credit for, whereas Mm -hmm. the South, I, I would be shocking if all of a sudden they're like, oh, man, we got four really good defenses there. Agreed. Agreed. Interesting. Okay, next, we've got uh, still tons of more questions in the hopper here for the Peacock and Williamson mailbag. Uh, we've got a question about uh, the, uh, the, how coaches game plan, and, and the, it's a difficult question, but I think we can attempt to answer this okay. one here, Matt, and, uh, and we'll finish up this episode of Peacock and Williamson. Thanks, everybody, for all your questions, of course, as always, and thanks, everybody, for making Peacock and Williamson your first listen every day here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Make sure you are subscribed up on YouTube and everywhere you get your podcasts. So this is a difficult question to answer, but Sir Madramissimo says, what usually has more weight when coaches plan for a season? Using the formation tactics they believe in or using the ones most fitting the type of players they have? For example, a defensive coordinator that likes more zone, but inherits a team with man-to-man corners or likes a 3-4, but inherits a team geared toward a 4-3 base. Mm -hmm. So this is kind of the age-old chicken-of-the-egg conversation, to be honest with you. Is the great coach the one that gets whatever ingredients you give him and he turns it into a wonderful souffle? Or is the great coach the one that buys the proper ingredients to make the perfect souffle? You know what I mean? And I think there's a little of both. I definitely think in today's league, schemes aren't nearly as defined as 10 years ago, let alone 20 years ago. And 3-4 versus 4-3 isn't the same. Or you're a heavy man team versus a heavy zone team. Yeah, but that's 10% difference. It's not 50. Or the other thing is, I firmly believe transcendent players, Chris Jones, Aaron Donald, Micah Parsons, I don't care what scheme they're in. They're so awesome. You know, and that's a 2%. I mean, that that's, the, 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 you just, you're happy to coach them and you will find a role because they're awesome. But I can't help but use a Steeler and Brown example is for much of my lifetime, the Steelers were one of the only teams running the 3-4. And they got Jason Gilden, Joey Porter, all these edge guys in the third and fourth round that nobody wanted because they were 245 pounds. You know, they weren't four, three defensive ends. So they competed with like the Patriots and two other teams for these quote tweeners and they reaped the harvest. I mean, they, 
they got guys left and right that other teams didn't want that fit them perfectly because they did something different. And then the other end of it, when I scouted for the Browns, I was there for one year. We were a very strict 4-3 stack, Miami Hurricane, Dallas Cowboy, Butch, Butch Davis defense. Butch gets fired. They hire Romeo Cornell, and he wants that 3-4 I talked about. He's like, where's my Will Fork? Where's my McGinnis? You know, and like, I haven't been scouting through that lens at all. And I'm always biased towards the teams that have stability, but that's the beauty of having stability. You know, like ownership and GMs don't change a whole lot. Well, then you don't throw away all the work you did for nothing, you know? So I know that's not how it was asked. It was asked from the coaches. I think there's a lot of coaching mistakes that say, you have to give me this guy and I can't coach this player. And then he goes to the next team and tears it up. But you get it too. Don't ask, you know, don't ask. Uh, Patricia to be the offensive coordinator either. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? waiting to happen. And right. but I think you did answer the question because the answer is more than likely you inherit guys that don't fit your scheme. You go find new guys because, or you put more them, often than not put them in the wrong position because you want to play your scheme. And, and more often than not, that's the way teams teams do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is, is they play their scheme and they want players to fit it. I mean, think about this. If, if I'm hired, not even as a head coach, I'm hired as a defensive coordinator. It's probably a team that didn't have success last year. It's probably a team that didn't have great defensive players. Maybe there's some pieces. It's probably a team that doesn't run my exact scheme. But I'm also probably selling those guys at 75% on the dollar. Like, I want my guys. I can't coach this dude. You know, adaptability is important in the coaching world, too. You know? So it is a chicken or egg thing. I mean, there's a lot of great coaches in history that took bad ingredients and made them made a fine meal out of it. And there's probably even more that decided, this is what I want. This is the type of left guard I need. And I don't want the big mauler. I want the puller, you know. Uh, Brian wants to know, who's the best player you scouted and beat the table for? And who was the worst? Hmm. Is any players that stand out to you where you're like, oh, man, I fully believe in this guy. And he just didn't have it, didn't turn out. Or uh, your favorite story of like, man, uh, this is the guy I saw coming and nobody else really liked him, but I, I love this guy. I'll make fun of myself for a couple ones that are hilarious at this okay. point. My year with the Browns, remember Matt Jones, the quarterback from Arkansas, oh, yeah. turned wide receiver? Well, we took Braylon Edwards in the first round, and me and my buddy that were both new scouts, and we just sat there in the, in the wee hours, watched film just for fun because we had no home to go back to or whatever. We <laughs> fell in love with Matt Jones. And we wanted to take him at the very, very top of the second round. Like, don't take Braylon Edwards. Take somebody else, whoever. Aaron Rodgers would have been nice, but obviously that wasn't the cards. Yeah. Well, we were sold Aaron on Rogers Matt Jones. one I liked. <laughs> right, right. right. And, and we were sold on Matt Jones. This guy is special. He's 6'5". He ran a 4'4". Huge. You know, he can convert. Loved him. My worst ever was at Pitt, though. And you know who Sean Lee is. He's a really good Cowboys linebacker for a lot of years. Mm-hmm. Just so happens he grew up half a mile from where I'm sitting right this minute at Upper St. Clair. And my my kids went to his grade school and his high school, which wasn't the case when he was coming out of Upper St. Clair High School, but I was a recruiting assistant at Pitt. And I thought he had no chance playing at Pitt. I mean, this guy was a safety running back. He's just a dude. Why does Penn State even want him? Why is he getting recruited so heavy? Yeah, 20 years later, he's in probably Penn State's Hall of Fame and you know, <laughs> one of the a really good Cowboys career. So plenty of misses. 
So, and did you ever have that conversation with the coaches? Like, hey, Williamson, what, what happened to this guy who was in your backyard? <laughs> right, right. Well, it's now my backyard. Oh, I mean, it wasn't your backyard. Yeah, and he's like, could be my neighbor now. Um, there's plenty of hits. I mean, it, watching recruiting film was really enjoyable because this isn't me being smarter than everybody else, but like watching high school tape of Vince Young and Adrian Peterson, I, I mean, Larry, I mean, it was like this, I mean, everyone on the planet likes these guys, but it yeah. was, you know, we didn't have a chance at two of them. And right. I'm obviously sure they're phenomenal. watching him play. It was like, yeah, I think this guy might be pretty good. He'll be fine. Yeah. I think he'd be all right. I mean, I remember watching Adrian Peterson and Maurice Claret thinking Claret might be right that he might, he might not have to go to college. And Peterson was even better. You know, his high school tape, like college is just going to be spin your wheels for two years. He's like Kobe Bryant coming out. All right. Let's finish up with this one. This is from CC Ryder who is frequently a, a tweeter and a listener to the show. Shout out again to the everydayers out there. And we always appreciate all the questions for our mailbags. Apologies to those we don't get to. Uh, he says, best show in town. Thank you, CC. Which non-rookie second string quarterbacks could be starters in the NFL? A lot. I mean, how many are winning starters? I mean, like Jacoby Brissett's a perfect example. Played really, really well for the Browns. Good player probably a backup. Um, I think Minshew's in that neighborhood. If we're looking, if we're trying to project what's going to happen, maybe even this year or some year soon, where there's a backup quarterback who's uh, not currently a starter. Well, actually, I've... Like, who's the next Geno Smith? You know, the, the revive your yeah. career. One that I think is sneaky, and I'm not trying to blow smoke up your butt, is Sam Darnold. Well, that's things. The 49ers have th three guys. Like, uh, who's even the starter? It's it's right. kind of Brock Purdy, but he's hurt. So, if if you're considering Sam Darnold and Trey Lance, they are both number three picks in the draft. So, you're talking about talent. I mean, absolutely, they wouldn't be shocking at all if those guys are at some point good somewhere, and maybe even this year for the mm -hmm. 49ers. So, uh, you probably even got to start with the 49ers because they got three quarterbacks, and you know, two of them are going to be quote unquote backups, but you know, would have a chance to to start in a lot of places and might start for the 49ers this year. Like, I'm not saying he's going to be a Hall of Famer or an all-time great, but they might do a 30 for 30 on Sam Darnold, and we might be like, man, I forgot how awful his first four years situations were. And he was uncannily young when he came in the league. So age 25 to 32 might be a lot better for a guy like Sam Darnold. And Darnold's the same age as Hendon Hooker, who was just right, 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 right. I mean, it's just, crazy. I mean, six months older or something like that. Mm -hmm. And Trey Lance was younger then over half of the quarterbacks drafted this year. Yeah. I have some of those dudes I can't quit. I've, I've quit Trubisky. He's just a backup. Yeah. But Dude, Mario, oh, by the way, Trubisky just signed that contract basically mm -hmm. saying, I know I'm a backup too, so give me I'm a long backup. Extend like, me. Right. Basically, Chase Daniels is his hero now. Exactly. <laughs> Trubisky for. He knows his role. Connect that backup. Collect that yeah. backup quarterback check and hold Great the gig. Yeah. I think that's Mariota. I still think Winston can be good. Maybe I'm bonkers. Nobody seems to agree with me, including you cannot staff. quit Winston, Matt. Every offseason is the same thing with you. With it is. Three years from now, that Winston dude's still going to be all right. No one's giving him a chance. I, I uh, like about, his makeup, though. What about like uh, Bailey Zappi? No, I can't give you Mike White either. I was thinking about him. Like, who are some backups? That's why I thought about Brissett. You know, backups that sign decent contracts. Mike White, Brissett. What about Zach Wilson? Yeah, I don't think his book is written. I'll he's give him that. He's on the Darnold path. Where it's he could like be on the Darnold situation. path. Five, four years from now, he still shows up somewhere and ends up starting. 
Maybe. Maybe. I mean, he's been horrendous, but as was Darnold. So, you know, these guys grow up. You're allowed to get better. You're allowed to mature as a human being. Nothing's going to be asked of him this year. This could be a great year for Zach. Jameis Winston's the answer. Yes. Uh, Yes. I think he's Ryan Fitzpatrick. Like, I don't think he's the next Rich Gannon winning the MVP or Geno Smith, you know, getting a long-term deal. But I think Davis Mills will be a successful NFL player for a lot of years. What about uh, Jarrett Stidham? Maybe. People that know stuff, Sean Payton, seem to, you know, the, the Bill Belichick, Josh McDaniels, you know, some really good football offensive minds like him a lot. Yeah. Yeah, he could be a sneaky one. Kyle Trask, I probably wouldn't put him in that category. I mean, I wasn't all these guys that. could start games, but they're not a quote-unquote starter. I'm looking at right. him who's an actual starter where a team mm-hmm. can start for a while. These so guys I'm, aren't veteran backups, but like Willis and Corral are just totally forgotten now. Does that mean their career's over? You know, maybe not. Yeah, they're like, uh, yeah, it's it's that's really hard because the people who believed in you are now gone. Right. Kind of. Like in, once you're on a new team, and it sounds like Corral you know, didn't, didn't even see the field. No, he never had a chance. <laughs> right. He, so there's probably up some the guy number one. Right. So there's probably some GMs out there that would like to bring him in, and maybe he you know fulfills his promise because he didn't really do anything wrong. It's a good question though. Who's the next Geno Smith? That's the that, yeah exactly. Like like someone who gets a decent contract that is currently a backup quarterback mm-hmm. that says, "Boy, this, this guy has figured it out, and I want him to be my starter." Like the, the ship's probably sailed on Brissett for that. I mean, I just think he's a really good two slash placeholder, mm-hmm. you know, Minshew. Probably somebody that was drafted in the first two rounds, like Gino was. I mean, I think he was the second or third quarterback drafted that year, something like that. Man, maybe more than that, fourth, something like that. That has ability and either didn't get a fair shake or didn't figure it out for a while. I bet we're missing a name or two, too. I feel like we are missing, like Taylor Heineke? No. I think he's a definition of a backup forever and ever. That he just doesn't have enough ceiling. Like, Darnold has a ceiling that you like. I mean, if it all clicked for him, Darnold could be good. Tyrod Taylor, no, he's, he's what that he book's is. written, yeah. yeah. I'm scanning the league in my head here, too. <laughs> too. I mean, backup situation in the league isn't pretty, for one thing. Who did the, uh, who did the Eagles just bring in? Mariota. Oh, Mariota, that's right, okay. I, a year ago, I thought he was that category. He was so bad for the Falcons, though. I'm I'm done with him. Cooper Rush. Him. He's flashed. Mike White? I brought him up before and dismissed him. Probably yeah. not. I mean, they're, they're probably real solid twos for a lot of you. And that might be Rush now, which is a lot better than we thought of him a year ago. Yeah, I mean, there's there's been an influx of younger quarterbacks recently. How many of those older Geno Smith types are still hanging around and are in an opportunity to even be what? Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, even Darnold, what's he five years in or Mayfield? We didn't break him Mayfield. And I still oh, think he has, yeah, it was he the, is he the starter right now? Is the question? So he doesn't count if he he's might not count technically the backup. I bet he's not the starter next year. <laughs> and then maybe he's not in this conversation. But first overall pick. It'll be one of those... No. No, I think he's a perfect backup where he is. 
Yeah, I do too. I mean, if we knew this answer, we'd be bazillionaire. You know, like that. Yeah, and, and all of these guys are one play away from being the starter, but mm-hmm. being an actual starter, starter is a different story. Like in Superflex leagues, I'm stashing your boy Sam Darnold, partially because I don't care who Shanahan's quarterback is, I want him. Right, and he sh- it even if it's even if he's bad, Sam Darnold, he'll be the best version of that, just because a better team, better coaching staff, better right. weapons. He'll still hit Debo or McCaffrey and four touchdowns. You know. Yeah, I mean, it's not Colt McCoy or, you know, no, that, those no. types. Yeah. Oh, we, we probably talked it to death. I think we've named yeah. just about everyone possible. But yeah, I, I don't think we've missed anybody big. But if we did, let us know at BD Peacock, at Williamson NFL on Twitter. Get your uh, questions in for next week. Any old time you want, you comment on YouTube as well. And make you make sure you are subscribed up to the new Peacock and Williamson YouTube channel. And, uh, and everywhere you find your podcast, you can find Peacock and Williamson.